this morning, um, we're going to go to a portion of scripture, and uh, let's let's just go there first, and then I'll I'll backtrack a little bit. So if you have a, a Bible with you, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John, chapter thirteen, and we're going to focus in on two verses in particular. Um, this this is a an important quality in any healthy church, regardless of the denominational flavor uh, in the diversity of our, our, our own community. Uh, this particular quality is going to be an essential quality in what you would refer to as a church that is in good health. So verse 34 and 35. <clears throat> Jesus is teaching and he says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Now you, you can't get much simpler in terms of a command, and yet, as I said a little while ago, it seems a little bit odd that you should have to command someone to love someone else. We'll, we'll look at a little bit about that. So the message title is called, What's Your LQ? What's Your LQ? And uh, more often, or that's a, that's a phrase we don't often use. You probably did run into that this week or any time in this past year. No one came up to you and said, what's your LQ? Maybe people have been interested in terms of your IQ. We're more familiar with that. And uh, when I was in high school, uh, they, they had this formula that, developed, uh, that determined your IQ. You take your mental age divided by your chronological age, multiply it times 100, and that's your IQ. So that, that's, that's what you are. And, and so there are all kinds of ways that we nowadays figure out IQ. Uh, you know, there are Wexler adult intelligence scales that you can take a test and find out what your, uh, what your IQ is. And I'm not worried about IQ. Perhaps one of the most entertaining, uh, entertaining I suppose, movies uh, that you might have seen is uh, about a fellow who has a fairly low IQ. His name was Forrest Gump. Okay, remember this story, the movie? Um, you should know that the average IQ is 100. And if you're looking at something on like a bell curve, uh, the average is 100. So it goes like this and then comes back down. And then <clears throat> about 68% of us are variant from one side to the other of that by 15 points. So your IQ is between 85 and 115. 68%. So six, almost seven out of every 10 would be that. So you can, you, if you want, you can look at your neighbor. No, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. That'll that, get you into trouble. But if you want to go a little bit wider than that, it's like, uh, I think it was like at 90 some percent, falls another 15 uh, points out. So from 70 to 130 is where everybody, most of us are at, you know, in that 96% or whatever it was. And then every once in a while you have somebody that pops up the chart one end or the other, and so we refer to them as geniuses or whatever. So 
you can do whatever you want with that, but I really don't care what your IQ is. What I'm more interested in is what your LQ is. And what I mean by that is what is your love quotient? If you were being given a test to determine how really good you are at being smart in your love, what would that look like? What would that come to? And uh, sometimes uh, it may vary. It may depend upon who it is that's around me uh, that will have a bearing on how much I really show that love. And that's why I want to get at the heart of that as we look at that this morning. So this particular text talks about the centrality for Christ followers in the body of Christ to be essentially people that love. Um, a number of years ago, a number of years ago, there developed a, a, a television ministry. Actually, it kind of really kind of exploded, I suppose, probably back in the 70s. Anyways, it was called PTL. The PTL Club, you recall, actually some of you have enough years on you, it might be familiar, and they talked about the, and I think that initially that was a praise the Lord club kind of thing. But, you know, they, they modified that a little bit when they said it's people that love. And I thought, well, you know, that's a little bit better, and that's very much at the heart of what we need to be about uh, in terms of our relationships with other people. So we'll look at a couple things relating to this portion of Scripture this morning, the command that Jesus gives. First, there's the commandment of the love quotient. And uh, I, in the study outline, I, I pulled uh, a, uh, an alternate version throughout it. And it's not that this is kind of a, I guess it's a kind of a translation. Uh, but it, it sometimes, when you look at different translations, it, it, re, it rephrases things and helps you see things maybe a little differently or help you appreciate it. Uh, and so I'm using the message and a couple of points inside this, this particular study outline. So in that particular portion, verses 30, verse 34, the beginning of it says, let me give you a new, command, new command, love one another. And it seems like that's not new. It seems to me that there was an Old Testament portion of scripture that said, uh, you shall, what, what's first, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. And uh, what's the furthest and grace, first and greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. So it was given to the Old Testament people, the Old Testament community of faith. But yet Jesus says, I'm, I'm giving you a new command. Love one another. It's almost like I'm going to remind you about something you should have been doing, but maybe haven't been all that successful about. And I want to remind you how important it is. And so here are some ways in which that love is expressed. First, it's expressed in practical actions. If you look in, in actually, it should be First John, not John 3.18, because if, if you know your book, uh, you recognize that's not John 3.18. First uh, John 3.18 would be closer. Uh, and and the, the paraphrase of that, if you will, says, Little children, let us not with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Sometimes we can talk a good game about loving, but when it comes down to it, in terms of the actual doing of it, we fall a little bit short. Our words don't always measure up to our action. And we've got to be careful in that because the practical actions is the expression of love. How do we do that? It doesn't take a lot to illustrate that. You might even be able to think of some things even this morning in which you showed a practical application or action of love. Maybe you held the door for somebody. Maybe you chose not to fight over who was going to take the offering today. You know, you know maybe all kinds of things. Uh, maybe it's going out at oh dark 30 in the morning, coming up with a creative alternative to baptize somebody today. Maybe that's a practical expression of love. There can be all kinds of things 
that, that work their way into that practical expression. But, but it's the commandment of this love quotient. Jesus says, I, I want, it's a new command, love one another. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Sometimes love is expressed also in laughter. And uh, I, I mentioned that in terms of earlier about uh, this, this sense of humor that's needed in, uh, in a pastoral placement kind of thing. Uh, sometimes you look at some guys uh, who serve as pastors, they're very serious about life. They take life very seriously. And it's not that life is not serious. It's not all fun and games. But sometimes you just need to, there's the, there's the relief. And in, in some ways, it's almost the therapy of laughter. If you go to the book of Ecclesiastes, that, that amazing portion of Scripture says to everything, there is a time and a season, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to live and a time to die. And that amazing portion of scripture capturing the, the, the extremes of life. But one of those qualities, I think, in terms of that commandment is the ability to laugh. Laughter can be good medicine. Uh, Reader's Digest will tell you that. You know, they always had that page in there that laughter is the best medicine. Kind of thing, and I think that can be very helpful for us. Not laughing at people—that's uncharitable. Maybe laughing with them, but not to make fun of someone or laugh at someone. I know our world is good at that, and sometimes we, as Christ followers, can get on that edge and express that. But I believe that that love is expressed through laughter. Sometimes we can just. Sometimes when we laugh together about that which is humorous in life, it kind of helps knit us together, it bonds us. It gives us a little bit more glue together in our relationships with one another. And then I think also love is expressed in hospitality. I go to 1 Peter 4. It says, be hospitable to one another without complaint. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Um, I... Um, in mid-March, um, no, in mid-May, uh, I, have, I have an older sister that passed away. Uh, rather unexpectedly, we just that wasn't on our wasn't on a radar screen. She developed some physical problems with COPD and other other kinds of things. So we went up and uh, visited her in the hospital, and then uh, within the week, uh, she ended up passing away. Um, my brother-in-law George said, uh, "Chuck, would you would you preach the funeral?" I said, it, "It would be my honor to do that." I was I was not expecting to do that, but it would be my honor. And and the, there was a phrase that came to mind uh, that is around a book that I encountered when we first were in ministry. It was a book written by Karen Burton Maines, and the book was called Open Heart, Open Home. And it talked about how we live with one another in our walk and in our relationship, and that we have to have our heart open and our home open, particularly in pastoral ministry as you relate to people. Um, and I thought of that in regards to hospitality for my sister, Virginia. Uh, didn't make a difference uh, 
who it was or when they came, there was always room around the table. If you were in the area and visiting, she'd want to know, do you need a place to stay? That hospitality was a very practical expression of love. And Jesus says, this is a command I've got for you. Love one another. There are limits to our ability to love genuinely. We can, we can love naturally and do the best we can. And it's dependent upon our capacity, our ability to get along with and, and to overlook the, the faults of other people. Sometimes there are things that we carry with us that become like grudges and stuff that stick like a burr in our saddle. And, and we have a good rememberer about what they did when. And we hold on to that thing and it keeps us from being able to love other people around us. Um, and that's natural love. But I think what Jesus is talking about in this new command is I want you to love one another with a supernatural love. It's something more than what you have, something more than even what you could give. And so I, I think there's a process. So turn with me just a little bit here as we move into verse 34 toward the second part of that verse, where Jesus says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Um, in the message puts it this way, in the same way I loved you, love one another. So he provides the model or measure by which we are able to love one another. And it's a process. It's a learning process. Sometimes uh, we, we just don't, we, we, we like one another, and maybe even we love one another, until something pops up that we don't like or that we disagree with or something that they did or something they, they've said that we hold on to, and it kind of becomes a, a, a block, a clog in the conduit of God's love. We refuse to let that thing go. It's a process. The learning process of love in this love quotient, I'm going to look at three portions of Scripture. I'll take you on there very very quickly. First, there's an Old Testament portion, the book of Hosea in chapter 11. And uh, if you know uh, anything about this Old Testament minor prophet, and always keep in mind, Minor is only a description of the size of the book compared to other major prophets. There's nothing minor about the message. And there's nothing minor about the message of Hosea. As a matter of fact, uh, commentators refer to Hosea as the gospel of John of the Old Testament because it talks about the, the, the commitment of Hosea for his wife, who has damaged goods, who is living a lifestyle that is just off the chart in terms of what we would be more comfortable with. And, and yet God commands or tells Hosea, I want you to go and I want you to take this gal. It probably didn't help that her name was Gomer, but, it, but be that as it may, whatever the name is, you know, that's, that's a kind of like, hmm. Anyway, so whatever, whatever. I, I, but I want you. I want you to go in and get her. I want you to pull her back in. She's living a, a lifestyle that just is running against everything that you know. 
but I want you to, to love her and I want you to love her back. And it becomes an illustration of God's love for the people of Israel in the Old Testament to pull them back. You always remember that, that God is constantly after you, not to beat you, but to love you. He wants to pull you back to him. If you're, I don't know where you're at in the process. I don't know how you're doing in terms of your a close walk with God, but sometimes we can, you know, the hymn writer said, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Sometimes we get to wandering and God comes after us. One writer describes him as the hound of heaven who comes after us, not to eat us up, but to keep after us and pull us back in. And so in this particular story, in, he, in, in Hosea chapter 11, it says this. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more I called Israel, the further they went from me. They sacrificed to the Baals and they burned incense to the image to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, take, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I lifted the yoke from their neck and bent down to feed them. And it's a wonderful picture of the, of the extent of God's love to us and becomes for us one of the ways in which we learn and process. Sometimes loving people is hard. Sometimes it's not convenient. Sometimes it's quite uncomfortable. Sometimes it's something that we just don't even want to do. Um, at the end of the month, and actually in the first few days of the month of November, I'm going to be speaking in a men's retreat, and I've pretty well settled on what I'm going to preach on, or teach on, I guess, in more teaching sessions. And I'm going to go to an Old Testament book, an Old Testament minor prophet. His name is Jonah. And there's a lot of little four-chapter book talks about how we relate to people around, but the, the book of Jonah is simply a story of God trying to love on people. I mean, in its simplest form, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. He says, arise, go to Nineveh, and speak against that city, for their sin has come up against me. Their wickedness has come up against me. And so Jonah says, sure, I'll do that. I love those Ninevites. I love that they like to brutalize people and that they've been unkind to us as a Jewish nation. I love that. I'll do that. No, that's not how the story goes. God gives the command to Jonah, and Jonah, instead of traveling 500 miles to Nineveh, travels 2,000 miles to Tarshish to head in the other direction. So much is the love of Jonah for the people of Nineveh. I wonder if there are people that you have a hard time going to, loving on, like Jonah or like Hosea. He was willing to do that. There must have been some sense of, man, oh, day, God, what are you asking me to do here? This is outside of my comfort zone. And yet he chooses to do that. He was learning to love Hosea's wonderful story. Love learned from God, a picture in terms of God and Israel. Love learned also from Christ, John chapter 15, not very far away from where we are in John 14. So look at verses 12 through 17, just kind of next page over a little bit. And so here's the further instruction. My command is this. It's almost a reprise on chapter 13. And uh, my command is this, verse 12. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. 
are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father. I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. And it's the reprise that John does uh, in his gospel on this command that Jesus has um, to love uh, as I have loved you. Jesus modeled love. He modeled love to people that were hurting, people that were down and out people that abused him, people that ridiculed him, even the religious people that would do that. And yet that was the, the learning process that we learned from the love that Christ showed toward people as well. One other area, I'm jump, jumping to the book of Hebrews on this one, is that there is love that is learned in this process from one another we ought to be able to be learning how to love by our interactions from each other. There ought to be something of the love of Christ that is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, Romans 5, 8, that, that begins to assimilate inside of us and begins to express itself, leak out all over us. Hebrews 6, 10 says this, For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name, in having ministered and still ministering to the saints. Now I realize God calls us to love all mankind, but he focuses in here a little bit more on, uh, on love as it is related to loving the saints. Now sometimes, well one person put it in a poem this way, To live above with saints we love, uh, that surely will be glory. But to live below with saints we know, well, that's another story. Sometimes we don't always do well in our relationships to one another. Our love can become very conditional. It can, it can be a tit-for-tat kind of thing. I'll love you if you reciprocate, if you love me. I'll, I'll, I'll express love to you as long as you give it back. But, but when it comes back of a different kind, and we have a tendency to just kind of close the valve on our love, and it begins to restrict the quality of the love that Jesus says, as I have loved you, love one another. And so we learn to love from one another. And so here's the practical question is simply, in my relationships to one another, to other people, am I expressing, am I showing in practical ways the love that I've received from God? Um, I've been learning a lot as I've been digging into Jonah it's amazing how so many times Jonah's love was like an, an inch deep and the immensity of God's love was far greater. God had a heart for a great city, the city of Nineveh. Uh, God, God's heart was bigger than Jonah's heart for that people. 
He was wanting to pull them to himself. Um, it's a process. It's a process that we learn. So we have the commandment of the love quotient and the learning process. I want to look at, uh, uh, I'll use another word. The word here is the legacy. What is the legacy? When we talk about our legacy, we talk about that which we leave behind. What will you be remembered? How will you be remembered? What will you be remembered for? And uh, so uh, I suppose as you get older, you begin to think a little bit more about that. You know, well, you've done all this stuff, and what will I be remembered for? Now, not that that's the be-all and end-all, but you want to leave a lasting impact and influence upon uh, other people. In verse 35 of this John 13 chapter, it says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Message translates it, This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. Um, how, that, how that works in terms of building and leaving a legacy. I think when we want to leave a legacy, um, we need to be intentional about what it is that we want to be known as. And, and really what you will be known as is pretty much what you're doing as you live now. If you're, if, you're a, if, if you're a womanizer, if you're a carouser, if you're a party gal or guy, that will become part of who you are. Oh, yeah, yeah we're going to party. Let's invite so-and-so. They are just a real party animal. And we'll get them in, and we'll just have a great time. Um, if, if you are cultivating a heart for God, and, and as people connect with you, they, they see that it seems that Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, is really resident in you. Uh, that will become more and more obvious. There will be a kind of peacefulness or, or calm or ability to withstand some of the onslaught of junk that comes at you. How, how do you handle all that? How do you deal with that? And it's because of the presence of Christ in you. And it begins to show itself as you... Uh, become recognizable as a disciple. The legacy of love uh, says this, God's love is deeper. God's love is deeper. In other words, that's greater than my love. It's interesting in the, in the portion of Scripture in John 11 when it's talking about Lazarus, and the observation of the people around him was, wow, or behold, wow, how he loved him. Behold how he loved him. And you know that when Lazarus passed away, when he died, Jesus comes to the to the grave, uh, to the, the tomb where he is kept. And uh, the scriptures say in that really short verse that we love to memorize because we can check it off. John 13, 35, behold, how he loved one another. John 35, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. So so you have you have that that verse. But that, that was talking about the depth of God's love, how he responded, and, and it affected him. What's the quality of your love? How deep is your love? Is it, is it an inch deep and a mile wide, or does it go deeper like God's love does for you? After all, stop and think about it. What, what are all the good things that you did to impress God? What are all the things that you did that, that certain, certainly merit your salvation. 
And you know, you look at the answer in the scriptures. It says, "Zip." It says, "Dirty rags." It says all that kind of stuff that keep you from being acceptable by God, but for His love and grace to you. God's love is deeper. The legacy also says God's circles are bigger. I'm going to give you a poem that I heard a number of years ago. Um, when, when, you, when, you, when you're around as long as some of us have been around and in pastoral ministry, you run across a number of characters. I first heard this quote a number of years ago when I was pastoring in the Northeastern District, which is upstate New York. And we were at a pastor's retreat in, uh, in the Corning area. They had a uh, the Watson homestead, which Watson was the founder of IBM, had this homestead, and, and uh, it was like a retreat center, and you could rent it out. And so our district would go there for pastor's wives' retreats. On one such retreat, the guest speaker was an, was an alliance guy uh, that uh, it, maybe I think he took life a little bit too seriously. But anyway, he had a sense of humor a little once in a while when he got close to him. But his name was Robert Battles, Bob Battles. And uh, he was, I can't remember what he was talking about, but I remember this poem that he said. And I thought, well, oh, that's pretty cool. So here's the poem. And, it, and it's talking about that God's circles are bigger. So here's the Edwin Markham poem. It says, he drew a circle that shut me out. Heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle that took him in. Okay? So there's the picture. Are you surrounded by people who shut you out? How do you love them? Edwin Markham will, Edwin Markham will say, draw a bigger circle. Choose to believe in a God who goes deeper, a God who is bigger than the things that alienate or, or offend you, that shut you out, or that you use to shut other people out. You know, when we first came here, you know, there were some observations made about you know, we're, 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 we're hurting. We're hurting as a group of people. Uh, you've gone through this difficult pastoral issue or change or that transition kind of thing, and, and, and we're really feeling the hurt. And, and I know that. And even now you may feel the hurt of that. But are you going to allow someone to get closer? Or are you going to allow someone to get in uh, to help in the healing process with those hurts? How are you going to do that? Maybe you've shut. Maybe you said, well, that, 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 that's the way that's going to be. I'm just, I'm just circling the wagons right here. And nobody's going to get close to me anymore. I've been hurt. So I'm not going to let anybody get close to me. Pastors can live like that. They can get wounded and beat up in the process. And they can choose to live like that, but that's not as I have loved you, so love one another. It's a little different. He drew a circle that shut me out. Heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle that took him in. The issue is, are you going to be willing to draw bigger circles because the love of God is bigger than the human love that you might be expressing or not feeling 
from somebody else. God's circles are bigger. And the legacy also says God's measure is greater. In other words, my ability to give love is not dependent upon my ability. It's dependent upon my leaning into and drawing from the supernatural, bigger, agape love of God that is able to be resident in me, dwelling in me, meeting, living in me. And so that's the expression. So today, I wish we had a test. You know, it it, it could determine your mental age over your chronological age times 100 equals your IQ. I wish we had a test, but in some ways I guess I'm, I'm not worried about that part that could focus on what is your love quotient. How are you doing in your love? And, and, and <laughs> you know, the hard part is sometimes you're not the best person to answer that question. You ought to ask your wife or your husband. You ought to ask your mom or your dad. You ought to ask a friend at school, whatever it may be. And they might say, well, you know, I, I, I'm really impressed. Um, or... Her daughter, her youngest daughter, and her husband have been in a couple times over the summer to worship with us, Sean and Teresa, the pastoral couple over in Milford. Uh, Their children had been in a Christian school for the last X number of years, and now this year they decided to take them out of the Christian school and put them into the public system. Um, It was interesting to me, one conversation that popped up uh, from our, our granddaughter, Rachel, when she was talking with some kids at school and uh, was offering to help them with something. Uh, it's not that, that Rachel is a you know, top-notch student and IQ of 130 and gets it all. It, it's just that her LQ is large. She has a large heart for God. And one of the, one of the friends, even in the first few weeks of school, when when Rachel says, you know, if you're having if you're having a struggle with getting that, uh, I'd be glad to help you. And the and the gal said to her, "Why are you so nice? Why are you so nice?" And hopefully Rachel didn't even need to answer the question because she's just practically living it out in terms of relationships around her. So that loving relationship is an essential quality of a growing, healthy church. And and we've already talked about that. It's not a function of the size. you know. It's got to be characteristic of a church of 2,000 or, or 50. It's got to be the quality characteristic. So the command to us today is to heed that. As I have loved you, love one another. Let's heed his command to us to love to learn from him how we love and leave a legacy of love that will testify to the greatness of our God. And that's that's what it's all about. And so my prayer today is that our LQ will become a subject of conversation and it will show itself practically in the way we relate to one another.